Welcome, TDA listeners, to the post-87th legislative wrap-up. I'm Diane Rhodes, Senior Policy Manager with the Association, and I have here with me today Dr. Matt Roberts, who's Chair of TDA's Council on Legislative, Regulatory, and Governmental Affairs, and Jess Calvert, who's TDA's Public Affairs Director. So I'm now going to turn it over to Dr. Roberts so he can give kind of an overview of what he took away from this session. All right, so so thanks, Diane. What I'd like to do uh, is kind of give our listeners a, an overview of things that happened leading up to the session and as we went through the session, touch on a few of the uh, overarching uh, goals that the Texas Dental Association wanted to see uh, happen with this past session. And then we can, uh, as a group, delve a little bit deeper into each of the bills and talk a little bit about those. So I think I need to kind of go back to uh, last October, almost a year ago, when uh, Jess and I had a chance to go and meet with uh, the governor, with Governor Abbott over in his office. Uh, at the time, COVID was still uh, a big topic. And as you can imagine, even getting in to see the governor, we both had to go through uh, a COVID test to make sure that we were negative. And quite honestly, that was the first COVID test I had had. Uh, and Thankfully, we were both uh, negative and we were able to meet with the governor. At that time, uh, Governor Abbott let us know that this is what he saw happening in the legislature, that he thought maybe 1,000 to 1,500 bills would be filed uh, during the session, mainly dealing with the budget, redistricting, and anything that was COVID-related. Uh, one of the, the good, good parts of that was that last uh, item I talked about with you guys, COVID-related, because... Uh, our main topic was going to be teledentistry, and that was definitely COVID-related. So we felt good about at least maybe getting something uh, in process and in the works going through the session to see if we could get, get that passed. So fast forward a little bit. Uh, the session gets started. As you know, we had a, a new speaker this session, uh, Speaker Phelan, uh, out of the Beaumont area, which meant not only a new speaker and leadership, uh, but also new council chairs. Uh, we had to deal uh, with the unknown uh, as the session started, uh, who might be uh, over the public health committee, if you will, um, in the legislature. As that turned out to be Stephanie Click, who uh, was going to try and shepherd through all the public health issues that were going to come through her committee. Uh, kind of as an aside, in the past, uh, Representative Click uh, had filed uh, quite a few hygiene anesthesia bills. So that was of some concern to us as we were looking at how that might interplay with our teledentistry bill um, as that relates to scope and scope expansion and things that we wanted to try and see in the bill and out of the bill. Uh, again, as we move forward a little bit, um, we were talking about budget redistricting and uh, COVID-related issues. And then, as y'all remember, the big freeze hit in February. and the focus of the legislature shifted dramatically from those three items to ERCOT and all the problems that people across the state of Texas were having. And the legislative process just basically uh, came to a crawl. However, during this time frame, some of, uh, of the bills that we wanted to get uh, into the session were filed. And dental related, as we were looking at it, there were kind of three buckets uh, if you will, of, uh, of topics and legislation that we were going to try and pursue this session. And those buckets dealt with the budget, 
uh, with insurance and, as I mentioned before, teledentistry. Under that budget bucket, uh, these are things that we typically deal with, deal with uh, each session, uh, and we were going to deal with them this session. One of them is Medicaid and CHIP and how that affected uh, a lot of our members. The other was funding for the State Board of Dental Examiners. And the third that we typically deal with uh, has to relate to the funding of the dental schools now, of which there are four with the new dental school in El Paso. Under the insurance bucket, we had uh, a specific bill that our House of Delegates and leadership wanted us to try and pursue this session, dealing with network leasing and retroactive denial of payments. And that is House Bill 1934. I think that's the right number. We'll correct that if it's wrong later. Um, that Representative Alderson was going to be able to carry for us. And the third, and as we all saw it, probably the most important thing was teledentistry. And that was coming out of Public Health Committee, House Bill, or and actually Committee Substitute, House Bill 2056, that we were going to work through the session. There were a few other bills that we looked at that we wanted to be sure and, uh, and have input on. Uh, one of them was dealing with liability protection uh, for our dentists during the, the pandemic. Another was dealing with automatic external defibrillators and the right to purchase those and be able to buy those on our own uh, without having somebody else oversee those purchases. And a third was a, a medical billing tax that would affect everybody uh, in some form or fashion. And really one other one too, which was an unemployment tax bill that we worked hard on. You know, before I, I kind of wrap up, uh, as we went through the session, and I actually got a chance to testify. Uh, that was a completely different experience than anything in the past uh, two or three sessions that I've been involved in. And that again, COVID was there. You had to be COVID tested the day of and have a negative test. Uh, you went, sat uh, in a hearing room. Uh, typically, the day started at uh, 7.30 in the morning, the arrival to get COVID tested. Uh, as my day turned out, uh, sat there and didn't get a chance to testify. Uh, until late in the afternoon that day. Thankfully, it was late in the afternoon and I didn't have to stay a, an extra night and was able to go home and get back to my practice. Part of what always happens during these sessions, which we weren't able to do uh, in person this year, but we had to do virtually, um, was our legislative day and talking with, uh, with you members. We thank you for being a part of that, but helping to really grease the wheels, if you will, um, with our legislators uh, was the Alliance, and I need to really give a, a big uh, shout out and thanks to the Alliance for the hard work they did. They literally put together special packages for the uh, uh, staff workers uh, in the legislature and had those hand delivered. They did a great job, and I can't tell you how many good compliments that we got back from the staff uh, on the packages that the Alliance was able to deliver. So that's a real quick 30,000 foot look, if you will, at the session and some of the things that we were uh, interested in. And I'll turn it back over to you, Diane, to, uh, to proceed from there. So thank you. Well, now that we've gotten a perspective from Dr. Roberts about how he viewed the session, would you agree with that, Jess, or how would you characterize the 87th? No, I absolutely agree. Uh, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk through uh, what we saw in the 87th with you, the members, and uh, I think the, the word that comes to mind for me uh, when I think about the characterization of the 87th is abnormal. Uh, you know, no session is truly normal, but uh, this session really was an exception. 
So the pandemic really interrupted the flow that is the session. Uh, working with lawmakers is a social activity. Uh, it's really hand-to-hand, -hand, and a significant portion of the 87th was off-limits in person, uh, which made it abnormal and very difficult. Is this, um, this inability to have kind of those face-to-face -face interactions, is that one of the, if I'm understanding you, one of the main reasons the 87th, you know, differed from previous sessions? It is. We, we work, of course, face-to-face -face and uh, in and out of member offices all the time, and we rely on those face-to-face -face interactions to accomplish our goals, and, and we rely, too, on, on spontaneous interaction. Uh, you know, running into House members and, and senators and their staff and stakeholders, too, and working uh, directly with members, staffers on our goals uh, and, and taking away the ability to do that uh, in an in-person environment uh, made it much more difficult to, to get the work done. But as Dr. Roberts just summarized, uh, we were successful with our priorities, and I know we're going to touch on those a little bit more as we go through this uh, recording. Well, what were our biggest wins? Biggest wins. So I, I'm going to start by saying passing a bill in, in the legislature is extremely difficult, uh, even when conditions are ideal. And that's just the way the system is set up. So passing a bill when conditions are less than ideal is, is really virtually impossible. So passing House Bill 2056, which is the teledentistry bill, uh, despite the pandemic and the remote nature of all the proceedings, despite the leadership change in the House, uh, which stalled proceedings uh, greatly, which Dr. Roberts mentioned, uh, despite having bill authors who weren't in 100% agreement with some of the stakeholders, uh, including us, uh, despite having some stakeholders who weren't in 100% agreement with other stakeholders, this just wasn't the session to be on offense. And it made it very difficult uh, to get anything done because of the remote nature, but because of the work of the team uh, and the responsiveness of TDA members who responded to calls to action, uh, 2056 did pass. And I want to mention that 2056 isn't the only bill that really benefits dentistry from the session. Uh, HB7 passed and it saves dentists a lot of money. Uh, that bill prevents unemployment insurance rates from crippling employers, uh, including dentists. The cost of unemployment taxes will be spread across a much larger pool uh, over a longer period of time. So dentists benefit directly from that bill, which the TDA was very supportive of. Senate Bill 6, uh, Dr. Roberts mentioned, defends uh, and protects dentists from liability relating to the pandemic. House Bill 3459 passed. Uh, that prohibits state regulated insurance carriers uh, from requiring pre-authorization if certain conditions are met. 1445, uh, House Bill 1445 passed, prevents dental insurance billing services from being taxed. That also saves dentists money. So again, this wasn't the session to be on offense uh, because of all the things that we've talked about, but we had a very strong success rate on offense. And Diane, if I, if I can jump in here and, and add a few things too. Um, you know, this, this teledentistry bill was a two session effort. Um, last session, uh, the bill was filed by Senator Perry uh, out of the Lubbock area, and it was a pure scope expansion bill that uh, that would, I, I think, in most people's opinions, um, allow dental hygienists to, to almost practice uh, 
uh, on their own without supervision. And we worked that bill through last session and almost got it to the finish line, but just not quite there. We knew it was gonna come back and be a priority this session. Uh, it was not filed uh, as much as a pure scope bill, um, but we still had to work uh, with 20 something stakeholders. And I've just gotta give you know some credit to Jeff's because there are a lot of people in the news media and on the internet that are taking credit for getting this, this bill passed uh, and I want our members to uh, know and make no mistake about it that, uh, that the Texas Dental Association was in control of the bill and we were able to work with these stakeholders and get it. And the bottom line is we were trying, and I think uh, to a large extent, uphold the current standard of care that we do and practice in our own offices. And that was the important factor for going forward and getting this bill passed. Uh, and, and now it's into the regulatory phase. So. Uh, credit to, to Jess and Diane and our outside lobbyist and uh, Stacy Reeves at Impact for, for all that we were able to do to get this bill through. Um, and, and I'm just I'm real I'm real proud of the group that did that. Well, I want to add something about the wins from the public health side because every legislative session we go into it seeking a, a Medicaid dental fee increase for our members and. As Jess kind of talked about earlier, this really wasn't a session for offense, um, although we were successful in many areas offensively. But regarding Medicaid dental funding, it really was a session where it was incredibly important that we were able to preserve existing funding, and we successfully did that. In addition to being able to preserve the important Medicaid and CHIP dental funding for Texas dentists, TDA supported efforts by the Coalition of Texans with Disabilities to help pass Senate Bill 1648. And this bill creates a new preventive dental benefit in Medicaid for adults with disabilities in the STAR Plus Managed Care Dental Program. And this has been a multi-session effort, and it's going to be the first time that a dental benefit is going to be available to adults with disabilities in Texas outside of existing Medicaid waiver programs. And this is incredibly important because it's going to help keep people out of emergency rooms for dental conditions that they shouldn't have ever experienced if they had been able to receive regular preventive dental care um, within their community, from dentists within their community. So TDA is very excited to have been a part of this important legislation. So those were kind of the two biggest public health wins that we had. So did anything surprise you, Jess, that happened during the 87th? Yes, I, I you know, every session has its surprises. Um, you know, in, in a session it's generally, uh, what you don't know that can bite you. Uh, we talk about that often. And we're not generally too worried about what we know, but we, we're really worried about what we don't know. So with a new speaker on the House side, committee assignments were a big unknown, as Dr. Roberts mentioned. And I think everyone, including us, we were, we were surprised by some of the committee assignments and how some veteran House members were left without positions, uh, chair positions, while other younger, less seasoned House members were appointed as chairs. We dealt with that uh, with several committees and it, it made things more difficult. On the issue front, we knew that the pandemic and the budget would take center stage. Uh, what we didn't know is that that winter storm that Dr. Roberts mentioned that created such a mess would divert lawmakers' attention to focus on energy. Uh, that was a surprise, it was unexpected. Uh, and it affected us by taking limited time away from our issues and other issues that we were 
supportive of. So that was a big surprise that nobody could have anticipated, but we did have, you know, it directly, directly influenced us. You know, we've, we've talked about and kind of highlighted different things that we do internally um, to secure our legislative agenda. How much of an impact does grassroots advocacy have on the outcome of TDA's legislative priorities? Yeah, this, that's a good question, and, and the answer is a lot. The short answer is a lot. Uh, TDA members have a team of experts working for them every day, um, in-house staff, contract staff. Uh, we represent the interest of the membership all the time, but we're not dentists, and the staff may be the daily boots on the ground, but it's the hometown dentists who have relationships with lawmakers that make TDA's efforts so successful. Well, we rely on those key contact dentists to complement the staff work that's done every day. Uh, we need TDA members to be educated on the issues. We need them to be involved uh, with their lawmakers. And we're at, at the TDA here, the staff are, are more than happy to help work with TDA members to make that happen. And Diane, let me also add that, uh, that from the standpoint of, of having key contact members that uh, have a great personal relationship, uh, you know, with their legislator, that that is key. And as an ask uh, from from our side, from the governmental side of the Texas Dental Association, um, you know, if you have a question that gets asked of you as an as an individual dentist, uh, you know, from your legislator or one of their staff members, please contact the Texas Dental Association office. Let us help work with you on the answer that uh, that that legislate legislator needs to hear, so that we're all on the same page. It works just extremely well when that happens, uh, and you just won't believe how much easier it is for us to pursue and to move something along when we're all on the same page. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because it was something that I was thinking about when Jess was speaking, and I'm, I'm glad that our members are getting to hear um, that we are always available to them if they get asked questions or they're asked for an opinion about a bill, and, and we can help them through that process. So we've talked about grassroots advocacy. What about DIMPAC? Yeah, DIMPAC. So the, really the importance of DIMPAC can't be overstated. DIMPAC creates relationships. It supports those who support dentistry. DIMPAC is influence. I think that's an, a, an easy way to say it. DIMPAC is also representation. So roughly 15% of TDA members contribute to DIMPAC, and that's not enough. We need every TDA member to invest in the PAC given how important it is. And you know, the, the formula that is success for TDA includes a strong, healthy, active pack. And again, we, we really need TDA members to invest in it. And I think it's important to know also that, uh, that our, our pack is bipartisan. You know, we, we support uh, both DEMS and ours. Um, we don't pick and choose. We like to have people that uh, help support us and we work very closely with our lobbyists to determine you know, who, who our friends are and we work with those folks uh, regardless of which party that they may represent. And I think that works out very, very well. Well, now that the session is over, I mean, so to speak, we're in a special, we're in a special call to interim session right now, but the main session is over. What, are, what would you characterize as TDA's advocacy priorities for the interim? Well, we, we've talked a lot about teledentistry, um, and you know, it was one of our biggest priorities. And now that it's out of the legislative arena, it is over in the regulatory arena. So working with state agencies on, on rules associated with legislation that passed in the 87th, 
uh, is really a focus. Making sure in teledentistry that the standard of care is equivalent to the standard of care that's uh, in-person care. Uh, that was a, a major point and priority of the legislation as it worked through the legislature. We, we had stakeholders who potentially wanted to change that standard of care uh, for the benefit of their own business model. And that's something that we stood firm on. And it cleared the legislature that way. The legislative intent is clear. They do want that standard to be maintained. And so we're gonna work very closely with the, the board uh, the dental board on making sure those rules are consistent with the care that's provided in person. And I think just as a general rule, continuing to educate lawmakers on the importance of oral health with the dentist as the head of the team is a constant priority, uh, and that's something that we're also going to continue to work on. Well, the, the last question for today's podcast is kind of what do you see on the horizon? I mean, dentistry is a constantly changing profession. What do we have to look forward to? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is protection. So making sure the current laws and rules pertaining to dentistry stay as strong as they are and prevent outside interests from eroding them in any way. Funding is always a priority. Uh, programs such as Medicaid Dental, the dental schools, uh, the dental board, uh, insurance protections. Uh, it seems like insurance is constantly trying to control who a dentist sees and how much they're paid or not paid uh, for treatment. So fair insurance laws and regulations are, are definitely needed to protect dentists and patients. Uh, along with a lot of other things, our priorities are stretched across uh, many subject areas, but uh, we're active just because the legislature is not technically meeting in a regular session. Uh, the work doesn't stop. And that's certainly true on the PAC side. We, we go to work full time on distributing support to members who are supportive of dentistry. So that's that's something that we're going to spend a lot of time on. And since this is kind of my bailiwick, I, I'll add that on the regulatory side, that is something that goes on even during session, but really ramps up in the interim because rules are made on a continuous basis compared to statutes being uh, made when the legislature meets every couple of years. So we have a pretty extensive reach with, as just pointed out, a lot of state agencies um, regarding a lot of different rule proposals that impact dentistry. So I guess for my wrap up on, on what's on the horizon, it involves a little bit of kind of the past and a little bit of the future. I, I know we've, we've beat this horse to death, but we worked really hard during the COVID pandemic to try and protect the rights of the Texas dentists, you know, to be able to open their offices and practice in a safe manner. And I think, I think we've proven and shown that we're able to do that. You, you know, a, a disappointment, I won't call it a failure, but one of the bi biggest disappointments from this last session, even as hard as it was to get a bill through, was our network leasing and retroactive denial bill. We actually got it out of committee and into calendars, which uh, is where the bill died, and I'm, I'm thinking that that will probably be something that our membership will want us to try and pursue in the next session. And, and again, I don't look at that as a failure. It was just one of the things that got caught up in the time frame of uh, the crunch of the session and, and the lack of being able to have enough time to get that passed. We'll certainly look forward to uh, our House of Delegates that will come up next year and any of the new policies that they would like us to pursue statewide. We'll look forward to working those issues and continue to support the members and do what they would like us to do because you are who we work for. And for that, I'm grateful. So Diane, that's all I 
really have right now. Well, thanks to both of you for taking time out. I know that both of you are very busy, uh, but our listeners want to know this. They want to know what TDA does for them on a regular basis in the advocacy arena. And again, thanks for, for giving your expertise today. Thank you. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. It's exciting for us to kind of get back into a regular schedule for these. We weren't able to do them as much during the legislative session because of time constraints. But now that the session is over, we plan to carry them forward on a more regular schedule. And if you have questions about anything that you heard today, any legislation that passed, any legislative or regulatory concerns for the future, questions about rules, questions about compliance, it's a member benefit for you to contact us. As Dr. Roberts said, we work for you, the members, and we want to be available to you at all times. So please feel free to email me, Diane Rhodes. My email address is D-R-H-O-D-E-S, D-Rhodes, at TDA.org, or you can message us on our Facebook or Instagram pages. The next podcast that we're going to have is very exciting because previously we had recorded a podcast on the use of Botox and derma fillers, and it was widely listened to. In June of this year, the dental board met and they made a decision that completely changes the regulatory landscape for the use of Botox and derma fillers by all dentists in Texas. This is information you need to know if you're using Botox and, and derma fillers in your practice and probably something that you don't know unless you're a regular attendee at a dental board meeting like I am and a member of TDA so that we can give you this really important information. So we'll be recording that in the near future and getting it out as the next podcast and you'll be able to know how you can incorporate Botox and derma fillers into your dental practice and not have an enforcement issue with the dental board. So be on the lookout for that. We'll get it posted soon. This is Leanne Johnson, Director of Member Services for TDA, and I just want to say thank you to all of our members. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of TDA Soundbites. If you need more information on this subject, please feel free to email Diane, our Senior Policy Manager, at drhodes, D-R-H-O-D-E-S, at tda.org. If you're not currently a member but would like to join, visit tda.org and click on the Join Now button on our homepage or you can call 1-800-832-1145 and ask for anyone in the member services department.